Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. I am your host Julie and each Thursday we are having conversations with guests on different themes and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view and learn in a non-judgmental way. Before we begin, I would like to thank you so, so much for all the love and support as we have celebrated our one year anniversary three days ago. It has been such a wonderful journey and it is only the beginning. For those who don't follow the Bubbling Adventure on Instagram, first of all, you should. But also you probably don't know that we have now listened in 43 countries, so... How great is that? And by the way, you can still find The Bubbling Adventure in two categories for the podcast's awards. Uh, one is the people's choice and the other is education. It would mean so, so much if you can take two minutes of your time and vote for me. The votes are closing at the end of this month, so I will leave all the details and links in the description box. And thank you again so much for your support. In today's episode, we are talking about an app that might be super valuable to you. And funny enough, it was also their first anniversary on Monday. It's called Parent Pink, and it will help you learn how other parents are dealing with life and education. Karen, the founder of Parent Pink, is here to tell us about her journey and share with us some interesting facts she learned during these past few months. She even was awarded an MBE in 2020 for her services to special education. I hope you will enjoy this episode, but without further ado, let's begin. Karen, how are you today? Hi, Julie. I'm well. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for joining. I'm very excited to be speaking with you today. But before we begin, could you please introduce yourself? Hi. Okay. My name is Karen Westpizer. I am a mum of two children. I've got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, a boy and a girl. And I run a parenting app called Parent Ping, which is a short survey app, which you answer every day to find out how other parents are coping with life. That sounds amazing. Okay. 
And so you've been working in the education field for a while. Could you please tell us about your journey and what led you to creating a parenting app? Yeah, oh, that's very polite of you. It's, it's been over 20 years, so giving away my age a little. Um, so my degree was within in education, and I think it's a, a really interesting area to, to work in. But despite my degree being in education, I, I didn't actually want to be a teacher, to be honest. My degree put me off being a teacher. <laughs> I didn't think I would have the right attitude for it. I'm not a not patient enough I think to be a teacher we've certainly learned that this year in in lockdown doing homeschooling yes. um, so instead of becoming a teacher I wanted to be in the education sector but not be a teacher so I became a, a researcher but not a researcher in a university I've been a researcher in jobs where it can be much more applied and, and we, I feel like I'm making quite a, a quick difference I've worked for organizations like the National Foundation for educational research mm -hmm. and I've worked for the BBC and more recently my career's um, focused around special educational needs as well. Nice okay so how do you how does it work then is it on a consultant side or are you really hired in the research department? Uh, I've, I've had all of those as full-time employed jobs so yeah but then last year during the pandemic I was working for a special educational needs charity and I got furloughed as, as lots of people across England did. And what I did at that point was I went and volunteered my time with Oak National Academy, which was the online school that was set up um, across England to provide lessons and resources for children who were being homeschooled. And I set up the... Um, special educational needs part of that. So some kids, because of their, their different needs and abilities, go to special schools, but there wasn't as much resource out there for those children. And so Oak National Academy wanted to have a whole special department that, that thought about the provision for these children, not just their lessons, but also the, some of the therapies that they receive on a regular basis. So we tried to put all of that online for them. Yeah, that must have been a lot of work. <laughs> so. It was a ridiculous amount of work. But to be honest, I, I really enjoy work. I know it's really tough as, as a mum to work full time, but I find it really fulfilling. Um, my husband is a, is a teacher. And when I got furloughed, he was quite jealous. My husband would really quite like to be <laughs> furloughed and to, to not have to work and perhaps to homeschool our kids and all of that sort of thing. But for me, working is a really important part of, of who I am. So yeah, I, the idea of sitting and doing nothing whilst being mm -hmm. furloughed was horrifying to me. So actually taking on a, a really big and really exciting project was was perfect for me and it led me on various sort of different journeys to, to get to where I am now running parent ping as well right and because also you were the perfect person to help with that and then you probably also learned a few skills that were helpful for you after so I guess it's a, it's a full circle it's very good so why did you create parent ping and also when it was also during the lockdown like yes. I said I like to keep busy so when lockdown happened the government and other people who rely quite a lot on educational data um, whether that's school tests uh, to show how children are, are, are performing in their uh, 
exams or whether it's simple things like attendance data all of that suddenly got thrown up in the air and people didn't really know what was happening and that allowed us to think in a different way so we started parenting it it was part of a company that was already doing something quite similar for teachers so we had all of the tech know-how and that's kind of the thread that led through from Oak National Academy through to parenting is the educational technology that that underlies both of them which as you say was quite new to me so we saw this real need from the information from the evidence point of view to help politicians to help school leaders understand what was going on when people were homeschooling but there was also a need from the other side as well because parents started to feel quite isolated too we didn't have the opportunity to to chat at the school gates we didn't have those networks that we might have had in other ways um and so parenting helps with that as well it's quite a has quite a community feel so as well as answering questions you get to see the results so you really get to see kind of am i doing things the same as other people or or am i a bit different on this topic right and this is something that always you know i always hear is like, do you know what others are doing how does this work what, what would you recommend and so on because i can imagine that unless you have a strong support system around you and people who have the same values as you as well, which is not always the case even within your own family. It's, it can feel a bit lonely and yeah. you have to do a lot of research on your own and it takes a lot of time and you always, I think being a good parent is definitely a worry for a lot of people. So I guess it's good to get ideas, pick up a few things and apply what works to, to you and then leave out the rest. So yeah. I think it's a very, very good idea. And in a really non-judgmental way as well, because obviously there's other mm -hmm. forums on the internet or, or groups on different social media channels where you can go to, to look up this information. But my personal experience is that sometimes those groups can be quite, quite judgmental, not necessarily very pleasant places to be you know you can put quite a simple question up you know what time should my, my six-year-old go to bed and you'll have some people who give you perfectly useful answers but there'll also be some people who then start judging those people and say well why would you put them to bed at that time you should do it at this time no one has the right answer when it comes to parenting it's always down to what's important and what works for your family but what we show on parenting is kind of what most people are doing mm -hmm. and you don't have to stick your head above the parapet in order to find that out it's all anonymous so you don't have to go into those public forums and ask those questions and face that judgment you can just share your opinion see what other people are doing like you say just kind of leave it at that take what you want mm -hmm. from it and so how do you monitor for example judgmental answers and how do you filter these out <laughs> it doesn't become like a forum <laughs> uh, well it, it's quite simple because we only ask questions with predetermined answers so okay. every day there's about three questions and the answers will be on a scale of uh, I strongly agree through to I strongly disagree or if it's the bedtime what time does your child go to bed they go to bed at seven o'clock eight o'clock nine o'clock ten o'clock tick the one that's right for you um, mm -hmm. So there's no space, actually, to have that further 
discussion. We, we, we choose all of the answer options beforehand. Sometimes <laughs> I hold my hands up. I don't get all the answer options completely right. And people contact me and say, oh, you've missed this option. Or what about that option? But we try our best to try and cover all the bases of, of the different opinions that parents might have. And then we can show them back in, in that aggregated form. So you can start to see what percentage of people think uh, which answer is correct. Right. No, this is great. And as you said as well, it doesn't take a long time to parents to dig the box. So it's not like you spend hours and hours, you know, oh, filling out the questionnaire. <laughs> no, no. It's three questions a day. It's less time than it takes to make a cup of tea. Exactly. And are they always uh, unique questions or does it um, A little bit of both. We try to have lots of, of different questions about different topics. So some days they'll be about school. Some days they'll be more about family life. Some days they'll be more about kind of just home life in general, like who does the different chores, whether we ask the same questions sometimes. And we do that from a research point of view. That's even more interesting to me because we ask the same questions at different points of the year, for example. So we're mm -hmm. able to track changes over time. So during lockdown, we were able to look at how parents felt that they were coping. So when parents were homeschooling, we asked the same question every Monday and every Friday. So on Monday, we asked, how are you feeling about the week ahead? And on Friday, we kind of asked, how's it been? And so we were able to look over time at how people were, were starting to, to feel. And you certainly saw as the end drew nearer and the government announced the date when kids would be allowed back to school, parents started to feel quite a lot happier. Yes, no wonder. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think, it, as you said also earlier, it's like, it's not, when you're not a teacher, it's not your job, right? And even if you're a teacher, it's different to teach your classroom rather than teach your own kids at home and not like, necessarily the right setting so it takes a lot of energy and especially for parents who are also working on the side that I, I don't know how they did it it's uh, it's magical no because, it was very yeah. difficult we looked into it really closely actually and we've just published a, a, a report about how parents experienced the lockdown and actually everyone like you say everyone found it hard the types of parents that found it most challenging were, were single parents mm -hmm. parents with big families and parents with the youngest children so parents whose children were in the reception year so the four-year-olds five-year-olds that that was where it was hardest but the challenges were quite similar across different households so not having enough technology Uh, you know, like not having a laptop or a, a phone to do the work on, but also about parents' understanding of the work that was set. Parents felt that it was going a lot better if they could understand what they were meant to do. If they found it confusing, if the work was not set in a kind of a clear way, or if the work was just kind of tricky, parents found it harder. But what I found most interesting about that is it didn't make a difference what the parents' education level was they mm. could have all the degrees and they still might find it hard or they could have not finished high school and they still found it hard the parents education level didn't make a difference to this right so we wonder how kids feel <laughs> in front of their homeworks then because mm -hmm. if if even you know parents think that it's it's complicated sometimes it yeah. can be 
but it's true. I mean, I remember when my my mom would do homeworks with me or my siblings, and it's like she had to dive back, you know, to lessons and be okay. Like I need to learn again, which is also good because you keep learning as as you go. Which uh, education doesn't stop, doesn't start, and doesn't stop at school. That's so um, true. So I guess it can be also beneficial. I don't know. But uh, it's interesting that people would find it hard. And I mean, we also heard a lot of kids, you know, drop out and just it's not equal, right, for everyone. Not everyone has the same family engagement and, you know, help from parents doing homeworks and unschooling. And some kids, I'm sure, were just watching TV all day. And that's probably the best that the parents could do it as well. Yeah, I, I'm sure that everyone tried their best. But when you look at the kind of averages, which we're able to do with hoping, on average, most people kind of, we coped okay. okay. Um, and there are also stories, this isn't coming through in the data, but this is like what I hear from, from other parents and from teachers. There were some kids who absolutely thrived in the lockdown and this style of mm -hmm. learning. So if you think like if in a normal class of kids, you all have to work pretty much at the same pace mm -hmm. um but if you're a kid who likes to i don't know delve into the detail and and really spend a long time on a piece of work or if you're a kid who just gets over with writes their essay in, in two minutes and it's a good essay then that's fine too but in a class of 30 whichever type of kid you are you have to wait for the other 30 exactly. kids to finish but when mm -hmm. you're home learning there's a lot less of those distractions about what all of the other kids in the class are doing so there is an ability to kind of focus and to work at your own pace that, that some kids really loved and really did well on so I don't think we can kind of write everyone off and, and say it was terrible for everyone I think for some kids and I don't want to to say this is for all kids and obviously some kids did have a terrible time but for some kids they had a great time and I think there's a lot that educators will be taking away from that because they've seen this and so they might think of different ways that they can start working in the classroom and, and having this kind of flexible approach that that might change the way that, that some education is done in the future. Yeah for sure I think school is great it's not adapted for everyone so for sure it's some you know every setting will always be more beneficial to others than you know so I guess it's it's great and even for for us adults you know we've seen it all working from home for some people it works for some people yeah, it's exactly. horrible <laughs> and so we all adjust a different way and yeah it's it's been definitely interesting <laughs> but so you said that all the data is anonymous Mm -hmm. uh, how do you how do you use it after who has for example access to simply build reports not on people but more on you know drawing conclusions and so on yeah so the data you get to see it yourself as an app user the next day in that that anonymous format each week I write a, a blog um, where we break down and look at the differences between different groups so we look at the differences for example between mums and dads and on some mm -hmm. areas they, they parent really quite differently and we also look at the differences between parents who've got younger kids who are kind of at, at primary school age and who've got older kids who are at secondary school and again the opinions that those two different groups have can be really quite quite different so whilst we're kind of trying to give parents 
a voice through this app. It's also about saying that we're not all the same when it comes to parenting and that there are some quite distinct groups within it. But it's also been quite useful. The data that we've provided has been used by the government in England. It was uh, quoted in the government's roadmap out of lockdown. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been in the press quite a lot. So really trying to change the narrative where politicians or journalists would, would write their stories or their speeches based on their personal experience as a parent and actually give them data about what everyone who's a parent thinks rather than just their own often quite uh, isolated views are. Mm, that makes complete sense. And so I, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that if more people use the app and answer the questions regularly, then the more accurate the data is. So how do you push for engagement and adoption from many families? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is exactly my challenge. So we've been running for about a year now. Um, we have each day about 1,500 parents answering, which is fantastic. It gives us enough that we can start to look at some of these differences. But as you say, we really need lots more so that we can unpick the data even further. The other thing that we'll be able to do once we have more people using it is to target the questions. So if we know that you've got an older child who's like 14, we'll be able to make sure that we're asking questions that are most relevant to them, you know, about mobile phones or about uh, some of the challenges of homework in secondary schools. But if you've got a four-year-old, then, then you kind of need some different questions, again, more mm. about kind of learning to read, learning to use a knife and fork, you know, more simple stuff. So the more people we have, the better the experience on the app will be. And like you say, the better the data will be. So we'd love more people to join up. Yeah, that makes sense. And well, I encourage anyone who's listening to download the app and start using it consistently. You can set a little alert to get notifications as a reminder to, to fill out the questions. Uh, so what is your hope for the future? What's your next goal, basically? Yeah, I would I would love more dads to be using the app. We have a we have more mums than dads using mm -hmm. it each day, which as I said that there's differences that we see in the answers. So we really need more more dads to be using it. And then we would like the data to be more used to inform government policies and policies in schools as well. So one of the findings that is my personal favorite is we asked parents when you go to school how does the teacher address you what name does the teacher use when they're speaking to you as the parent and loads of them said that they get called by teachers they get called mum or dad and obviously they're not the teacher's mum or dad mm -hmm. um, they're a child's mum or dad and parents really would like to be called by their name you know whether it's Karen or Mrs Westby's or I don't mind but I don't want someone else to be calling me mum mm -hmm. um, so we, we found that out, we had the data, and it got picked up a little bit in the press and the teacher magazines. And so I hope that by people kind of writing about our data and discussing our data, that changes happen. And so when parents go into school, they don't get just called mum. Mm, yeah, because it raises awareness. And so, yeah, teachers might not even think it was a, an issue. And then this feedback is very valuable because exactly. you don't want to upset anyone. Mm -hmm. So, no, this is very, very great. I think it's it's amazing. And if you can 
as you said, really use all the data and maybe make more informed decisions in terms of politics and so on. That would be amazing. So well done on that. Is there any last advice that you would like to share? So if people are interested in downloading the app, you can get it in the Play Store and in the App Store and it's called Parenting. Nice. We will leave all the links in the description. You can also follow Karen and Parent Ping on social media. And thank you so, so much for joining Karen. It was very interesting and well done on everything that you're doing. It sounds super amazing. Oh, thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.